Good to go. All right, the 314th Shir of Rambam corresponds to the learning of chapters 4, 5, and 6 in Hilchas Sanhedrin, which are the laws that tell us all about the Jewish judiciary, how the courts function and how the courts shouldn't function. So, in addition to everything we learned yesterday, we now learn details about this principle called majority. So we had this idea that when you have the members of the court, not the members of a jury, who are too stupid to read the newspaper, so they don't even know what's going on, and they have to find people like that in order to adjudicate some of these cases. Right? It's ridiculous. We have, we have 71 people, brilliant people, who are well, well experienced in law, who have been involved in adjudication and involved in law and understand human nature and speak the vast majority of languages and they understand all different cultures. All of these qualities have to be there for you to be on the Sanhedrin. And these people, having listened to everything that's being said, then have to come to a decision. So we said you follow the, 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 the rove, you follow the majority. Comes along mitzvah Bay's mitzvah number 282 of the negatives, mitzvah and tells us that when it's a criminal court, so then the rove has to work in a unique fashion. The rove means the majority. So the Torah says, do not follow a slender, a slim majority when it comes to a conviction. A criminal conviction requires more than one more. So you have 71 judges and you have 76 versus 75, pardon me, you have 36 versus 35, that's not good enough. That, that does not mean that this person will be convicted. And the Rambam explains, the Pirush the meaning of this is, as our sages told us, brought to us the, the message of Torah that had been passed down from Moshe Rabbeinu at now Sinai from generation to generation. The, the, the judges can't come to a conclusion. There, there, there's, there, there's a dispute that rages amongst them. Amru, some of the justices say, there's no question, we can convict him. In fact, we, we, we are compelled to convict him. We must convict him. And he is to be put to death because there is a capital punishment in the Torah, as I mentioned yesterday, only at the time of the Beit HaMikdash is standing. Amru, some of the justices are saying, it's not strong enough. The evidence is not strong enough or, or, or the, the, the jurisprudence put forward is not an absolute and a perfect logic, we can't convict this person. Now the Mechaivim, the ones who say that the person must be put to death, are, are more than those who say that he should not be put to death. How many more? One more. 35 judges say he's, he's not innocent, but we can't convict him, can't put him to death. And 36 judges say, Hang him. And I, I'm using that colloquially. We don't have hanging in Torah. But it's to put to death. So the halacha is, That person may not be put to death. Hashem warns us that you can only put somebody to death when there is a majority of a minimum of two. Minimum of two. As it says, Do not follow the majority to bring about something bad. So what does that mean? How, how am I going to have a, a resolution if I can't follow the majority for something bad, only for something good? It, it doesn't make sense. So, 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 so when, when, how will I resolve that problem? So the, the explanation that our sages had passed down, that the meaning of this pasuk is, 
Of course you follow majority, but not every majority. Majority of one is not sufficient. So there's a majority I do follow, and a majority I don't follow. What is that? A slender majority to put somebody to death we do not follow. A more substantial majority, at least two, that's different. When it, this is only when it comes to gzar din hamavet, when it comes to a conviction which will result in somebody being put to death, which is the meaning of the word liraot for something bad. It's always bad if somebody's put to death. It's never a good thing. It's sometimes a necessary thing. It's never a good thing. Can't be good. The mechilta in Parshas Mishpatim says, So let's go back to a smaller court. We talked about something called Sanhedrik Tana. We have 23 judges. In every city, every, every urban area where there's a sizable Jewish population in the land of Israel, we have a mitzvah to establish a court, a Sanhedrin, as we learned yesterday. This is an obligation that's binding for the Jewish people in the Holy Land of Eretz Yisrael. So, when you have a situation where Achad Asr Mizakim, 11 say he should walk free, Vishneim Asr Mechaivim, and 12 say he should be convicted. Then, I would think he should be chayev. What does that mean? Eleven against twelve is not going to cut it. So when you have something bad, like a capital punishment, if it's only one, we will not follow through with the conviction. If it's two, then we will. The details of this halacha are explained, says the Rambam, in the fourth chapter of Mesechet Sanhedrin, <coughs> which are page <coughs> 32 and onward. Mitzvah number 283. The Torah says that when the justice is being meted out, when we are having a situation where the court is, 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 is in session and the judges are going to give their opinions, so you're not allowed to follow the idea that somebody else articulated because somebody else articulated it. <laughs> said, what do you say? Oh, you say he should be convicted? I think he should be convicted too. What's the difference what he says? What do you say? You're one of the judges. You have a moral obligation to evaluate and to come to your own decision. Whether this is derech, whether you seek to exonerate or whether you seek to incriminate. It has to be your own decision. You have to use, analyze the facts, listen to the arguments, and you have to come to a decision on your own. Without trying to see if I'm, I'm thinking like this, do you agree with me? Or... What is, if you, was your opinion such and such, and then to use the fact that somebody else had an opinion as a reason to bolster your own opinion. That's not good enough. As the Torah says, Leisane al riv lintos, which means, al tevakesh beriv hanatia bovad. When it comes to a point of contention, when you need to speak with moral clarity, and a, and a decision has to be rendered, then don't just be a follower. Don't be a sheep. Don't do all somebody else said it's a good idea. So that's good enough. Or as the Rambam puts it in the book of Mishnah Torah, he says, don't follow your friend's word saying, you know what, my friend is so much smarter and so much better. 
If they thought like this, I guess I think like that too. You're not allowed to do that. Whether it's most of the people, whether it's the more prominent people, if it's the rov or the gedolim, or instead of saying what you wanted to say, you hear people giving opinions and you say, I don't want to say my opinion. I'm going to sound so stupid. Ten judges just got up and every one of them said, incriminate, 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 throw the book at him, and I'm going to get up now and say, I think he should go free? They'll look at me and say, what an idiot. So, so therefore, I'm just going to, whatever. It's not my opinion, but yeah, yeah, sure, I'll go along with the rest of you. A person who would do that would violate mitzvah number 283. Don't say, Don't say, I'll be like my teacher, like my mentor, like somebody I respect, like, like such and such a person, because they said it and I'll say that also. Rather, you're a judge, you have a moral obligation to analyze, to process the information, to, fit, to, to, to look at it from the perspective of the Torah knowledge you have, and to render a decision. Now, you would think that this is also the case when it comes to a, a monetary decision, not just the judges who are in a criminal court. So the Torah says, Now, we learn from this, that there is also, this refers to in either way, that a person should not incriminate because somebody else incriminated, or he should not exonerate because somebody else exonerated. In other words, your words should not be used as, as a, somebody else's words, pardon me, should not be used to influence your words and to guide your decision. Another interesting detail about this mitzvah is, that we do not begin a, a court in which somebody's life is hung in balance. We do not begin by saying, the person should be killed because A, B, and C. Instead, the first statement that the court has to be, the person should be saved because of A, B, C. And then we say, conversely, maybe the person should be killed because of E, F, G. But the point is, that we do not begin right away with a negative approach. We don't say, be it resolved, this person is guilty. Instead we say, be it resolved, this person may be innocent. Is he innocent? Be it resolved, he should not be convicted. Should he not be convicted? And that's like similar to the adage that the Western world took from the Jewish people, that you're innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right here in the Torah. Another interesting detail is, even if the courts have rendered a decision and a person is being taken to his death and somebody says, I have a reason to stay the execution. I, I, there was something I just thought of, something we hadn't taken into the equation and if we'll take it into the equation, I think we may change our minds. So if it's for a zechut, it's to save this person, then we bring the court back into session. But if somebody comes along and says, the guy's free, he says, one second, we shouldn't, we shouldn't let him free. I just thought of another reason to incriminate. We don't put the court back in session for that. Only for something positive. Because of this also, we do not begin, when the judges start to give their opinions, we do not begin from the most prominent judge. Because what would happen? If the Avbevdin, if the Nasi, if the most prominent judge gets up and said, I think he's guilty, everybody else automatically, the head, justice, he says, I mean, who am I to argue with him? Therefore, we always started, they sat in a semicircle, and we started on either side with the youngest or least prominent of judges. 
And we worked our way up so that nobody shouldn't be swayed by somebody else's opinion. All of this helps us understand how careful we are when it comes to, to, to dealing with something like a death, a death penalty. How, how, how careful the Torah says we have to be. We have to be absolutely certain. And we have to be beyond scrupulous and beyond exacting in our standards when we're talking about somebody's life and balance. Who are we talking about? We're talking about a criminal. We're talking about a person who in all likelihood may well have committed an act of murder. But to incriminate somebody, to convict him, and then to execute him, to put him to death, this is something which is extremely serious. And that's why we have all these special safeguards in place to try to make sure that if there's any chance that this person should not be convicted, that the conviction should not happen and the person shouldn't be put to death. Now, as mentioned, the Torah does talk about death penalties. We only had this in the time of the Beis HaMikdash. We haven't had it for 2,000 years. There are four methods of, of putting a person to death. One is more severe than the other, and that would depend on the kind of crime that the person committed. So the most severe form in a very, very unusual set of circumstances would be the 229th positive mitzvah of the Torah, which is assuming that A, B, C, D, and all these conditions were met, and the person actually had to be put to death, so then we have no choice to fulfill the mitzvah number 229, and we have to put him to death by what's called skila, literally stoning. And this is what the Torah says, it's found in the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim. Chapter 22, verse 24, the Pasuk says, Uskaltem oso he will be pelted with stones, vometu, and the person will die. Now, this mitzvah means that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a positive mitzvah. And that when, if somebody violated these the following negative mitzvahs, and somebody was convicted, and somebody, and the courts ruled, and all these things are in play, then in that case, that will be a mitzvah we'd have to fulfill. Not every mitzvah that we fulfill with great joy. Some mitzvahs we do with a very heavy heart. For example, many of you have been to funerals, we do a mitzvah, we do the mitzvah of burial, it is a mitzvah. But we do it with a heavy heart. That's why we, we use the shovel upside down, we don't pass the shovel from hand to hand, because it's not something we're excited about. To throw dirt on somebody is something we're not comfortable with. We have no choice. It's a mitzvah. So this is the kind of mitzvah that we're not happy with fulfilling. It's the kind of mitzvah we pray to God we should never have to fulfill. We have no choice. It's a mitzvah we fulfill. It's like going to war. The Jewish people don't idolize war. We don't glorify war. We don't call it holy. It's a terrible thing. It's moral. The moral thing to do is a very painful thing to do. But it's the moral thing to do. It would also be helpful if I shared with you that the Gemara tells us a court that convicted more than one person in 70 years was considered to be a bloody court. The Gemara says, having said that, if the conviction was necessary, they'd have to convict every day. They'd have to put somebody to death every day. But it was, it was something that was, was, uh, was not a compliment. It wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a virtue for a court to having been in that kind of situation. The judges, before they render such a decision, have to fast that day. And there are all kinds of other things which are, are taken into consideration when people have to, God forbid, convict somebody else to his death. Now, the, the next mitzvah, which is a different form of, of uh, capital punishment, is the 228th mitzvah, and that is the mitzvah of putting somebody to death with what is referred to as sreifa. Sreifa literally means burning, but it is not as it sounds. There's, there's boiling liquid that's poured down the person's throat, boiling lead, and that immediately incapacitates and kills the person in a moment. It's not chas v'shalom. 
um, we don't we don't burn people alive. As a Torah, it's it's very much like what you would call today in the United States the electric chair, where you put such a powerful voltage of, of electricity that basically fries a person. As it says, Be'esh Yisr for Eisei, you're burning with fire. It's more like burning with the heat of fire with, 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 with extraordinarily high, hot energy. This mitzvah, once again, a mitzvah we fill with a very heavy heart, only under a particular set of circumstances when there is no choice. And that comprises the 314th Shir of Rambam.